With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. You know, if you win one, that's always good. If you win two, that's even better. But three, Ian, that is a winning streak. And the Denver Broncos have done that. This is uh, Adam Alnati and Ian Sinclair of the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. And we are back with another win. It's almost like we uh, this is going to become second nature, maybe, someday. Probably not. The way things are rolling right now. They, I mean... Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I got a I got a text from the old man. You get to plug in early, and it was early on in the game, and it said just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, and uh, I kind of chuckled. And yeah, okay, this is exactly the type of game, and this was exactly the start that, as a Broncos fan, this was the start you feared. This is what you were afraid of that they were going to travel east, they were going to have the early game, and they were just going to be. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Unprepared, uh, unmotivated, sluggish. Typical Broncos. Typical Broncos. I want to use Jeff's sloggy. We're going to be sloggy. Didn't get that in the podcast last week, but I'm going to work it in today. And then they weren't, right? And then they, some, the ball started bouncing their way. Um, they had a few injuries. You mentioned before we started recording, Chris Harris Jr. breaks his fibula. 
At least that's what it looks like. Derek Wolf goes down, and the defense doesn't really miss a beat, and they win the game. And to me, that's a game where last year, the game I thought of immediately was the Buffalo game, where they had they had won three in a row. They just blown out Dallas. They travel east. They show up in Buffalo, and it was like a completely different football team. And then from that point forward in the season, it was just all downhill. That's what I thought we were witnessing today. That is what I was afraid of, and it's not. We actually saw a Broncos team that showed up, pushed through some of the some of the rough patches at the beginning, and there you go. And it's why Vance Joseph was a winner on my winners losers this week because he he gets a lot of the credit for how this team has stayed focused and prepared the last three weeks. And think about where this team was three weeks ago. They were coming off the bye, and no one thought the Broncos were going to win three three games in a row, let alone these three games against the Chargers, Steelers, and the Bengals. Even if your orange and blue glasses were thick and you had the strap, so it'd be like the 1980s basketball glasses. The Horace Grants, right? Even then, you wouldn't have predicted the Broncos would win these three games, but they have. And that's a testament to Vance Joseph. Because this team is prepared. It's buying in to what he is selling, what he's doing, and what he wants them to do. They're prepared. As you mentioned, unlike a season ago, when things happen, good or bad, over the course of a game, it doesn't derail the Broncos. They just remain even keeled. They remain confident. They just continue to do their jobs. And that's what we have been saying on this podcast for two years, almost three years. Just do your job. And the last three weeks, that's what they've been doing. And they've been doing it better than just about Anybody in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, and when you watch Brandon McManus miss that field goal, I thought that was a moment where uh, they could have just they could have packed it in. They could have said, "Nope, we're done. It's not working out." They didn't do that. They they just kept playing. They just kept going, and it's weird because I feel like this is the same team that we watched lose to the Chiefs and lose to the Rams. And you know, have some have some bad games and lose to the Texans, but the the outcomes are different because they're. I think that the point you just made is really important. They're buying in to whatever it is that Vance Joseph is selling them, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's doing, but something is working, and they like it, and they and they want to they want to play for this guy. I, I'm I'm still not sold on him being back as the head coach next year. But I'm certainly more on the fence than I was. And I'm not necessarily calling for him to keep his job, but I'm not calling for his job right now. Vance Joseph has, has got them playing well. And I think the other uh, the other guy you got to credit is the offensive coordinator, Musgrave. You know, he's 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 given the ball to Philip Lindsay, who, as we all know, is pretty much the man. I mean, I, I he really, is the man. He is. He's the man. And I, here, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to think of something to say. And I'm just so, 
like I got done watching that game and I thought, yeah, that's okay. Yep, that's that's exactly right. What else is there? I mean, I don't even know, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know where to go with it. It's, it's the roller coaster's got me all messed up. My my equilibrium is crazy. My barometer's off. Whatever you want. My inner ears is funky, and I'm probably gonna fall over when we get done. The thing about Bill Musgrave, we have both wanted Philip Lindsay to get at least around 20 carries, 20 to 25. He got 19 against the on Sunday. And he's going to get more than that as the last quarter of the season ticks off. Because what he is doing is simply remarkable. And as I said in the winner's loser's story, just sit back and enjoy it. He is a special player. Soak this up. Watch it. Savor it. Because we've never seen anything like this before. As NFL Research pointed out, Lindsay's 780 yards rushing are the most through 11 games by an undrafted rookie since the 1970 merger. That was a while ago. Time-wise, that was, that was a long time. It was before we were alive. That doesn't happen often when we start to talk about – when we say the words since – when we're talking about things, we were usually alive at that point. We weren't. Didn't see the 70 merger. Missed out on that. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned we haven't seen this. As Broncos fans, we've kind of seen it. I remember how impressed we were with Terrell Davis being that, you know, sixth-round draft pick, right? Terrell Davis, sixth-round draft pick, goes on to be league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that that's what Philip Lindsay is, but we've seen a guy come out of nowhere and blow up on the scene and become, you know, one of the best players in the NFL, if not the best player at the time. And I think Philip Lindsay is kind of reminiscent of that. It's nice to see him in that number 30. I know there's been, you know, story after story on that, but it really is one of those things where you go, I recognize number 30 being great for the Broncos because I've seen this before. It was just, 20 years ago or 20 how many years ago was it now how old am i <laughs> too old too old yeah so we have seen it just not from a guy that didn't get drafted and he plays with that chip on his shoulder like he should have been drafted because he probably should have been and his two touchdown runs were just they were things of beauty that that six yard run that was that to me was was the prettiest the vision and the cutback he showed on that was so good. But that 65-yard touchdown run was a Terrell Davis-esque touchdown run because it was one cut and he went. And if Dick Enberg was still alive and was still calling games, that would have gotten the Dick Enberg, oh my. Because that that was a thing of beauty. Yeah. And it wasn't just for, for Philip Lindsay. It was for the offensive line. Garrett Bowles laid a hell of a lead block on that. And the offensive line was another winner for me. These guys just continue to impress up front. As good as Lindsey was, Denver's line was just as good. It, it did allow two sacks, but that's about all you could say negative about the unit for this. And it's been that way for three weeks. And keep in mind, there's still three guys playing out of position. 
Yeah, you almost wonder, are they playing out of position? Maybe this is the combination that we've been looking for all, you know, all along is is the way this line is configured right now. Um, I'm not saying Matt Paradis should lose his job due to injury, but the the way this line is playing right now, maybe you have your maybe you have your offensive line and you don't need to mess with it. I don't know. I don't know how the players would feel about that. Obviously, I'm not an offensive lineman. Uh, I I do play one on TV at times, but th- it works. I mean, why would you change whatever it is that's working? I don't think they should. I don't think that they will. But um, yeah, that that the six yard run to me was the one that made me go, okay, this guy, this 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 kid has. He doesn't just have speed, and he he doesn't just have power. He's got vision, right? I think that's the thing that you get from him. He sees the field, even though he's smaller. He sees the field. He sees where his blocks are. He see he anticipates, and the the best running backs anticipate more than anything else. They know where the play is going to go. They they have an in, you know sort of an innate ability to understand where the blocks are going, where the defense is moving to, and to find the hole. and And that's what he did on that on that run. And it was it was six yards of perfection. That's really how I saw it. The sixty-five yarder was great, and you're right, it was Terrell Davis-esque. But that six yarder that just kind of felt his way through. He anticipated the blocks, and then there he was. Six yards later, he's scoring a touchdown. In terms of the offensive line, I didn't list him as a winner, but for all the flack that Garrett Bowles has taken this season and even last season. Just like Vance Joseph, Bowles is turning into a potential franchise leading left tackle right now. And we make jokes about the holding penalties that he gets. The only holding he's doing is holding on to the left tackle position. (laughs) (laughs) I... I enjoyed that joke more than I should have. I think that was it was very funny, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's just the dad joke in me. Um, <laughs> I plopped it out there and expected <laughs> yes, it to you, perform. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. That's hilarious. Uh, and that leads into another group that is winners: Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. I, I mean, just like Philip Lindsay, what can you say about this this pass rushing duo? It is the best in the NFL. Well, Bradley Chubb sealed the game with his strip sack and recovery of the fumble. Lost three tackles. Two. Von Miller had three tackles, one and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, and one tackle for loss. Von Miller now has a seven-game sack streak that is tied for the longest of his career. I and the best thing about it was we got another. Chubb was in his face line from the CBS broadcasting team. I think they're doing it on purpose just like we are, but they're just, you know, they're just on national television, which is different. Uh, But I I did catch that one and I, and it, it made me laugh. That one made me chuckle, Um, you know, and it was the the best part about it. You know, my players to watch my, my player to watch on, on defense was Von Miller simply because, you know, we talked about the fact that he sort of had disappeared in games. He didn't disappear in this game. He was, he he was, he was in on most plays. Uh, he 
you know, he got his sacks. He did it. You know, he and, and Chubb sort of did their thing. And it was nice to see that. And they are really going to be difficult for other teams to deal with for several years, hopefully. And the nice thing about it is one of the things that we've talked about, if you're going to double team and you're going to put a, a running back on on Von Miller, then Bradley Chubb has to show up, right? That's kind of got to be what happens. You pick your poison, so to speak. Well, if you're double teaming Von Miller, then Bradley Chubb has to show up, and he absolutely did against the Bengals. And yes, they had an inferior quarterback. Yes, they had they have you know they have injury issues of their own. But you still got to beat the guys in front of you. And Von Miller and Bradley Chubb beat the guys in front of them. They beat them consistently. And like you said, they are the best duo in the NFL when it comes to getting to the quarterback. And as I tweeted out after that Von Miller-esque strip sack to end the game, Chubb busts through and sets it free for the Broncos. Then, as I recall, somebody called you a pervert. Was it? <laughs> but they also said that they love us, so I'm okay with that. I'm good with it. It was a, it was a nice – it was a compliment. You were called a pervert in a complimentary way. Yeah, they said they loved it. Yeah, so and, it's, and okay. it's one could say Cincinnati just wasn't able to get a hold of Chubb at the end of the game. No, they they uh, they tried. They just couldn't grab Chubb. They couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't stop Chubb from doing his thing. They couldn't contain Chubb. Yes, Chubb is uncontainable at times. Just uh, like you said, busts through. In terms of the defense, I, I did list the defense as a winner for this game as well. Because anytime you hold an opponent to 10 points on the road and you lose players like Chris Harris Jr. and Derek Wolf and Josie Jewell, and you basically don't miss a and still win the turnover margin, which was another winner for me. The Broncos forced three turnovers, only gave the ball away once with Royce Freeman. So that's another plus two for this game. That puts the Broncos at plus eight in the last three games. That's how you win in the National Football League, and that's why the Broncos have won the last three weeks. Yeah, it was it was huge. I, I actually want to I want to commend you a little bit. Um, you sent me a message before we um, before you wrote your article, and you you asked if I thought Royce Freeman should be a loser, and I think you could have made him a loser this week. But, but you held off, and I appreciated it. Um, he did fumble. He put the ball on the ground, and that was that was disappointing. But it didn't amount to anything, which I think is why you, you leave him off of that list. And I, I think one of the issues with Royce Freeman that – I'm just going to bring it up now. Why not? He doesn't get the ball enough either. And so because of that, I think he's got – you know, he gets the ball way less than Philip Lindsay does. So ball control is going to be an issue. And it was disappointing to see him put the ball on the ground. But then part of the reason I told you not to put him on the losers list when you asked was they went back to him. And he sort of redeemed himself with a couple of nice runs and didn't put the ball on the ground. And so I think that because it didn't it didn't affect the team in any way as far as points, and because they were confident enough in him to go back to him, rather than just sit him down and say, we're done with you. That, that to me, showed a lot of grit on, on his part. And so it was nice to see Royce Freeman sort of 
have that happen to him and then still get back out there and continue to perform uh, as best as he could. I, I, I like that you sort of held off on that. That's also a testament to Vance Joseph and the coaches because I wonder if a season ago they would have just put Royce Freeman on the bench. Oh, I, I guarantee they would have. They would have just they would have just sat him down and said, "You don't have it today." And it was just it was one play. You kind of can't do that to a kid. And I think that's one of those things that with a rookie, you got to be careful with their psyche. You don't want them to get the drops, right? You don't want you don't want them to all of a sudden start putting the ball on the ground over and over again. But you also don't want them to think that you have no confidence in them. Because when a rookie loses confidence or thinks that you don't have confidence in them, that affects their play. It's just the way it is. I think they handle it very well. I think you're absolutely right about that. So one other player on defense I listed as a winner, and that's Shelby Harris. The fourth-year defensive tackle just continues to stack up great performance on top of great performance and is becoming a game wrecker for Denver's defense from the interior of the defensive line. Harris finished with one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, two tackles, and one tackle for loss. And at just 27, he could be the answer at defensive tackle for the Broncos and bring another piece to this defense. Is he that, that potential yes. gamer yes. at defensive tackle? Yes, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you can kind of see for a player when it clicks and they kind of all of a sudden get it. And I think we've seen that over the last few games with Shelby Harris. Something about the NFL, if if guys can sort of hang around long enough, the guys that aren't touted as some of the best coming out of college, but the guy, the sort of the fringe guys that get a little bit of playing time here and there and kind of start to break in, you can see for a lot of those guys that moment when it just clicks, when they just the game slows down a little bit for them, they start to feel the game better. The that anticipation word that we talked about, uh, like I said with Philip Lindsay, you can see it with players like that. And I think Shelby Harris is a perfect example of that. He has shown that if you are able to stick, right, if you're able to stick around and you're able to make enough plays to continue to be a part of the franchise where they, they maybe they don't want to start you, but they can't get rid of you, and eventually it clicks, boom, you can be successful. I think that's what's happened with him, and I think he's the I think he is the answer at defensive tackle, and it's exactly what the Broncos have been looking for, uh, you know, all season. Really, they needed somebody on that interior line to sort of become that interior game wrecker, that guy who can get in the face of the quarterback from the inside, because you can have two edge rushers like Chubb and Miller just busting around the edge, but if all the quarterback has to do is step up, it's not going to matter. So you got to have somebody in there, some presence in there, and Shelby Harris has become that guy. Absolutely, a Malik Jackson type of player. Sure, that's a that's a good example, a Malik Jackson type of player. Another winner I had listed was Cortland Sutton, and what what was interesting is before that gorgeous pitch and catch between Case Keenum and the rookie for the thirty yard touchdown. I was actually getting ready to list Cortland Sutton as a loser because Mark Jackson, the former Broncos receiver, was basically saying he's one-dimensional. And if that's all he's going to do, put him on the bench if he's not going to be contributing more than that. And then right after that is <laughs> when you get the 30-yard touchdown. Right. And that's what we've been wanting to see from Sutton in the offense. But what made that even better is the aggressive play calling after the fumble recovery because Denver recovered the muffed punt 
and Bill Musgrave gets aggressive and calls the 30-yard touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton. And that is what we call complimentary football. It's it's sort of an interesting concept, complimentary football. It's not one that we've seen a lot of. Uh, It was nice to see today. And and I have, you know, Cortland Sutton was my game ball. Um, You know, after the Broncos win games, some of you may have forgotten, but, you know, three games in a row now we've been able to do it. Uh, We pick a player who gets the game ball. And Cortland Sutton to me is, he, he was my game ball. He had... He had just a hell of a game. I mean, what did he have? Something like, was it uh, seven targets and and four catches, 85 yards? I mean, Case Keenum had 151 yards through the air. 85 of them go to Cortland Sutton. Over half of, of his of his passing yards are to Cortland Sutton on just four on just four catches. And that touchdown was a thing of beauty. The thing that I would like to see them do more of. And we kind of had this. Con- we've had this conversation on the podcast many times, and we had this conversation in Slack during the game. Don't just do that from thirty yards out into the end zone. You can do that from the twenty and throw it to the fifty-yard line, and he can go get that jump ball, or he can draw a pass interference. And to me, that's some that is a missed opportunity at times that they could be doing more of that. And we've said it. I don't know how many times we've said it, but we've said it many many times and here we are saying it again but this is you know during one of those weeks where it worked out and he got a touchdown pass so I'm, I'm fine with it but he had a heck of a game uh I don't know I don't want to say a breakout game can he really be having breakout games at this point I mean he's a starter in the NFL but it's I think it's the closest thing you can get to a breakout game there's another rookie who had a breakout game and he was actually listed as a winner because he was. And it's not often you'll see a punter on that list, but Colby Wadman absolutely deserves it. Yeah. The Denver punter had a remarkable day. He not only averaged 43.3 yards on his six punts, four of them were down inside the 20-yard line. That's how you flip field position, put your defense in a position to make plays, and here's that phrase again, play complimentary football it's 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 amazing when you get you know the special teams and the defense and the offense all working together and complimenting one another that's that's such a it's a nice thing to see on the field it was we're we're, let's can i just say something here you and i are a little bit um we're pretty happy about this yeah it's fun i mean no rain clouds today they beat the Los Angeles Chargers. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And still there was this, there, there is a pause. And maybe there is a good reason for it. Oh, because yeah. as you said at the beginning of the podcast, this is still basically the same team that when it faced a lesser opponent and one they should beat, they played down to it. And we saw that in the first half. And as you said, here we go again. But to see the growth in this team, I'm with you. I'm not quite ready to to say he's the guy who needs to lead this team for the next 10 years. But the last three weeks, 
he's the main reason why the Broncos are in this situation. Whatever he told them over the bye, they've bought into it. And they're continually continuing to do it. And I, I hope, like Philip Lindsay, they continue to have this chip on their shoulder. And they continue to play like they're the underdog. And what's interesting about that is after the game, I wanted to actually see the national media talk about the Broncos. So I watched football night in America before the Chargers and the Steelers on Sunday night football. Mike Tirico, Rodney Harrison, and Tony Dungy. I was drawing a a brain (laughs) part there. How, what they talk about? What the does it look like when you draw a brain fart? Just, just sort of out of curiosity, is it a brain? How does you, how do you draw a brain fart? Is it sort of is it brown on top of the head? Is it cloudy? Like what what do you think it looks like? I think it's like a, a, a thought cloud, but it it smells because it's like a scratch and sniff sticker. But it's and it's also it's empty, right? It's got to be empty. Yes, got it. Okay, it, it might be it might be like uh, the. Uh, Charlie Brown character oh, who yeah. had the, the the dirt following him around. Uh-huh. It might look like that. It might be a little bit dirty. You mean you mean pig pen? Pig pen, correct. Oh, man. That's is that two? Oh that's two. You couldn't remember Pig Pen or Tony Dungy. I don't know. But what's the, they didn't talk about the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So of course not. Continue to have that chip on your shoulder. Continue to have that Philip Lindsay attitude because that's going to be what carries you. And as long as they continue to win the turnover margin, create turnovers and not turn it over, they're going to win football games because that's how you win in the NFL. Thank you, John Madden. You know how you win in the NFL is you score more points than the other team. And if you can do that, you can win a game. So got to love those captain obvious moments. Absolutely. You know, um, there there was some negativity that we could we could definitely get into. Uh, it's it's hard when you win because you just want to enjoy it. But but there was one one loser on your winners and losers list that I wanted to talk about, and that was Bradley Roby. I mean, what do we make of this guy? He's sometimes you watch him and he is he he is a good cornerback, and then other times you watch him and you go. What are you doing? The 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 touchdown that he gave up. All he's got to do is wrap up and tackle and it's not a touchdown. But he doesn't do that. I don't understand. I he's a he's an enigma wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in a what the what the f meme. I I don't know. I don't know what to do with this kid. He's a walking brain fart. <laughs> it's a walking brain fart. That's a really good analogy because he seems to have them all the time. And you know the play that I go back to is the one against Kansas City, uh, was it two years ago now, where the, he gives up the touchdown? On You know, like all he's got to do is tackle the guy, and, inst- and instead he just lets him score a touchdown, and then the Chiefs go on to win the game. Sa- same sort of thing. Like just wrap him up and tackle him. What, what are you doing? And he's going to have to be better with Chris Harris Jr. being out because he's going to be the number one cornerback now. You just sent chills down the spine of everybody listening to this podcast. 
And you heard it here probably like for the third or fourth time. Bradley Roby is going to be the number one corner for the Denver Broncos for the foreseeable future. I didn't enjoy saying that. I didn't enjoy saying it either. Yeah, it's uh, it was icky. The injuries were the other loser that I listed. And thankfully, it didn't have a negative impact in, sudden, in Sunday's game. But can that continue to carry over? The Broncos have been hit with some serious injuries this season. But to a testament of Vance Joseph and his staff and the players, it doesn't phase them. Hopefully that carries over the last quarter of the season because they're going to need it. Yeah. I, they, they have an opportunity to do something that we made fun of Mike Kliss for saying earlier in the season when they were three and six, and that's run the table and make the playoffs. But if the injuries keep mounting at a certain point, is it is it really feasible? Is it really plausible that they could – make the playoffs from this point. I mean, beating the the Bengals this week was one of those things where they had to beat the Bengals because they were they were also banged up. You're playing their against a team that's playing their backup quarterback who nobody's really ever heard of and they've got injuries themselves and it's like, okay, this is a this is a game the Broncos should win and they did win it. And their their schedule is still pretty easy, but if the injuries keep mounting and you keep losing guys, by the time you get to that last game of the season against a Chargers team that is still very good, never mind what's happened to them the last couple of weeks, that that last game could be for a playoff berth. And if you're, you know, you're playing with a mash unit on the sidelines, are you going to be able to win that game? And that is the, that is the big concern moving forward. So injuries are I don't like them. Well, and then because with the Chargers, they have scored 23 unanswered points now in their Sunday night game as we record this against the Steelers. So if we were looking for any help from the Steelers or the Broncos were looking for any help from the Steelers, they're not getting it right now. Okay, but I'm still winning in my uh, in my fantasy football. Ben Roethlisberger has scored me enough points, and I don't imagine I'm going to go backwards all that much. So, so that's fine. To get back to a winner real quick, because I'm going to save my last one for the end of the podcast. Oh, good. I like that. Denver's playoff hopes. Not only did the Broncos keep their playoff dream alive, they got some help from the Jacksonville Jaguars in their 6 nothing win over the Indianapolis Colts. That was one of the teams that we were concerned about with how they were playing coming into this game against Jacksonville was the Colts. And the fact that they lost that game is big because I believe the next game up for the Indianapolis Colts is the Houston Texans. Ooh, yes. There you go. So we're big Texans fans right now. Yes, that is that is the next opponent for the Colts. So that's another way to get some help. And not to look too far ahead, but the Ravens are at the Chiefs. Cincinnati is going to Los Angeles, but at this point, I think Cincinnati is done. We'll write them the Steelers off. Will, 
the Steelers are going across the country to face the Raiders, who gave the Chiefs actually a pretty good game yeah. on Sunday. Well, I mean, they scored some points. That's I mean, on that Chiefs defense, that's nothing to get too excited about. But okay. And then another team to keep an eye on is the Titans. They got a game-winning from Marcus Mariota to beat the Jets. They host the Jaguars. So can the Jaguars help out the Broncos again? So that's one thing to keep an eye on, and we can talk about that for the the preview podcast. Yeah, we'll wait but on that, but yeah. The last loser I had was the officiating. We talked about it on the preview podcast where, it, as you said, it's to the point now where the officiating should not be an issue, but it was an issue across the league again on Sunday. Ron Torbert and his crew were absolutely horrible. They were horrible. They don't know what helmet-to-helmet is. They don't know what defenseless receivers are. And I think the bigger issue with that is the NFL doesn't know. They haven't communicated that with the officials. And as I've said before, it's not surprising when the league doesn't know what a catch is. How are they supposed to know what a helmet-to-helmet hit is or a defenseless receiver is when there's that much gray area with a freaking catch? Yeah, I agree. And the other issue with those is, and and I know player safety is important, and that's kind of the emphasis. And I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, well, you know, you got to do that. They have to figure out a way to make it so that you're not calling, you're not calling personal fouls on plays that don't deserve to be called personal fouls. You get guys leading with, you know, their shoulder, and they're still getting flagged for things that they can't control. When a when a running back lowers his head, or when a receiver ducks because the you know the the contact is coming, and then they end up going helmet to helmet because of a, a natural reaction that the receiver has. There's no, there's no way to stop a receiver. You can't say to a receiver, "Hey, don't you know lower your head and and cover your body up," because that's what your instincts tell you to do. Your natural instinct when somebody is coming to hit you like that is to to cover up, is to to sort of scrunch up and try and protect yourself and if that leads to a, a you know a safety or a corner or, or a linebacker over the middle hitting a guy in the head that's that's hard on the defensive pl- side of the ball as well because what are they supposed to do it's just gotten to a point where you have to have some sort of concrete call that is made and if you can't make a concrete call if you can't make it so that Every time you know exactly what it's going to be, then it becomes frustrating. And I hate talking about the officiating. I think most people hate talking about the officiating. But I hate talking about absolutely. it. Absolutely. But we do get to a point here where you just want some consistency. I, I guarantee that you know some of the things that you saw flagged today maybe wouldn't have gotten flagged by an, another officiating crew just because they would have seen it a different way or they would have interpreted the rule differently or whatever. And, and I know there's a human element that some people really enjoy, but maybe those are the types of plays that are so important that they should be reviewed automatically. You should just automatically review. If, if you're going to throw a flag on a helmet-to-helmet or a defenseless receiver or something like that, Throw it up to the booth and have them watch it. Because in real time, it's it's impossible. It's impossible to tell. And the, the thing that I thought was interesting was uh, Adam Archuleta, who uh, was, was doing the color commentating for the Broncos game, he actually said, you know, 
I know the referees see it in, in real time and they don't have the you know the benefit of slow motion. But on that hit on Emmanuel Sanders, which I was fine with it being flagged because he's Emmanuel Sanders and I, you know, I'm good with that. He even said, I don't know that he got him in the head with I don't think it was helmet to helmet contact. And even watching it slow-mo, you can't tell. You can't see it. It's not it's not gonna be perfect. Maybe that's what we have to do as fans. We have to come to the the point where we just accept that it's not perfect. And as long as the calls don't affect the outcome of the game in a way that is totally blatant, like the old remember the old Vinny, Vinny Testaverde touchdown where he's sitting there and the ball's a good six inches behind the goal line, but they called it a touchdown and there was no replay at the time, so the game's over. But everybody can see that he didn't actually score. Uh, you know, in, unless it's something like that, maybe we just throw our hands up and go, "Well, it is what it is." But it's frustrating as fans when we can see it. And the biggest issue is it's not getting better. The issues aren't getting resolved. The only consistency is how consistently bad the officiating is. To go back to that Sunday night football game, the Chargers, again, benefited from a lack of a a false start call that led to a touchdown. (laughs) The last officiating crew that happened against, by the way, the NFL fired the line judge who missed it. Well, there's a precedence that's been set, so maybe he'll get fired. To get back to winners, the winner is Pat Bolin. The Broncos owner, after this win against the Bengals, now has the fourth most overall wins among modern-day pro football owners with 354 victories. It's the latest evidence he needs to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame when the final vote is selected the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Because that is a remarkable stat. Oh, it's incredible. I, I'm honestly, I, I do think that, and I hate to be overconfident here um, when it comes to this, but I, I do actually believe that uh, as far as Pat Bowen getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it's it's all over except for the congratulations and handshakes and hugs because there's no way they can keep him out with the impact that he's had. I, I just think he's he's. He's a lock to get in. I'm not too worried about that. The uh, The fact that he has been, as an owner, as successful as he has been is, is sort of one of those things where I can't think of another owner right now who has a team that has been as successful. Maybe the Roonies, right? I mean, is that is that the comparison? Maybe Bob Kraft? That, those are the only ones. I think those are, are the only two I can think of. Because, because modern day owners, you're talking about guys, obviously the Roonies, but you're talking about Art Modell, who I think um, Pat Bowen may have just passed. You're talking about Al Davis. You're talking about legendary owners in the National Football League who paved the way for where the NFL is right now. And Pat Bowen is amongst that list. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he's, I think he's more than deserving, and th- and today was a, a good day for him. It was, uh, it was a good day for everyone in Broncos country. So, um, you know, just another, just another they, feather in his cap. Absolutely, and there the the Broncos have been doing this occasional thing where they they do stories and talk to people who knew or know Pat Bowen. 
And the most recent one was with Adam Schefter. And those who don't know, Schefter covered the Broncos for the Denver Post before moving on to NFL Network. So I'm going to read a couple of the powerful quotes that, that Shefty had about Mr. B. So often I would walk up to his office on the second floor in the Denver Broncos training facility, and he wasn't there because he was back in New York. He was always back in New York for another league meeting, for another negotiation of another TV contract, for another key decision that had to be made at the NFL level. Pat Bullen is one of the most underrated people that's ever been involved in growing the popularity of this sport to where it is today. It's one of the most popular sports in the country in large part because Pat Bullen helped make it that way. As a reporter for the Denver newspapers, I was never allowed to fly on the Broncos team plane, but they always flew the TV station that was affiliated with the team. So I would, so I would always be over, all over Pat about that. And I said, if you ever win the Super Bowl, I want to fly home on the team plane because it was something I never, ever got to do. And he said, Adam, if we ever win the Super Bowl, you're flying home with me. And I said, deal. And sure enough, the Broncos won Super Bowl 32 in San Diego. I canceled my flight, my domestic flight from San Diego into Denver. And I got to fly home, not only on the Broncos team plane, but in first class with Pat Bolin with the Lombardi Trophy next to us. I don't know how I went from being this young kid who grew up on Long Island to flying home with the man who helped bring Colorado its first ever Super Bowl trophy. But he made a promise. He kept his promise. Pat Bolin was a man of his word, and it's something I will always remember. What else do you say? What else do you say other than it's it's great to be in Broncos country, especially right now considering we keep uh, we keep winning games, and I think that will continue. I think it will continue as we move forward this season for at least another week. I totally agree. And to get back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast, it's because of Vance Joseph. And one thing that has to be noted, the Broncos won for the first time in Vance Joseph's tenure at 11 o'clock. And it was the first time the Broncos have won a road game east of the Mississippi since Paxton Lynch was the quarterback against the Jacksonville Jaguars in December of 2016. And the Broncos have now won two of their last three games on the road and have won three straight road games. I mean, what is is going on? Up is down, left is right, black is white. I don't know. I don't know. But I like it. I don't know but I like it. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, Seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. 
Don't do anything smart. 